Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. ...everywhere. And I said, sir, I don't know if this is the last time I get to talk to you, so I want to make sure that, that we have a serious conversation. And then um, at the end, he says, no, I assure you, we will be seeing ourselves again. And so he has promised that he'll be coming to church here. Um, and, and guess what? Hopefully, uh, the Bible's promise will be fulfilled in that man's life. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your household will be saved. So we know that if dad came to the Lord, he's 70 years old. Uh, we hope that his sons would also come in the pursuit of the greatest wealth that's upon the earth. Let's go ahead and watch this video uh, presentation. And this will show you how people are super confused in this life in regards to their pursuit. Let's go ahead and watch this uh, two-minute video. I'm just starting off just asking a kind of general question. What are you investing in in your life? To be happy? I don't know. Um, I, use it, I use a professional organization for my investing. Love. And having the typical American dream and having a good job and a nice house. And uh, right now, education. I just retired from the Chicago Public Schools, so I paid in a um, maximum into my tax-deferred annuity. My children, their happiness and their future. If I was to ask you, you know, have you thought about a legacy and what you might leave on after you? Do you have a response to that? Definitely like to leave something for my kids as far as the financial aspect. That's a good question. I don't know. I I want to go above and beyond call. Like I want I want to make my family happy. I want to do things that they weren't able to do. So I've never really thought about you know what I was going to leave for a legacy, but I'd like to say children and um, I'm a musician, so that's. Something I could believe. I always thought that um, giving back was very, very important. You know, teaching and being involved with my students. My legacy is my children and my, you know, they are my future, they are our future, so. No, I really haven't given that much thought. Amen. Father, I give you thanks this morning for your goodness in our lives. I give you thanks for having us sit 
in the very place that we sit, that we might contemplate this aspect of treasure, that we might contemplate the definition of that which we should cherish and value the most. And we pray, O God, that you might reveal it to us through your word, that we might come into the great riches of your inheritance in Christ, that we might pursue the wealth and the wisdom of your goodness, O God, things hidden from the sight of so many men revealed to those who come to Christ. I pray, O God, that we would be in a passionate pursuit for your glory, that we might attend to the inheritance we have in Christ, and that if we had thoughts of prodigal living far from our inheritance in Christ, that we might return to the Father's heart and see him reveal his purpose and his goodness over our lives as we repent, as we obey, as we pursue obedience of the instruction given to us in your word. Bless and prosper your word for our future sake, our family, our children, our relationships, and that all things we do might prosper according to your purpose, that this not return void, this word, but that it would not finish and pursue and finish that which you have uh, performed it to do, O oh God. Be glorified and exalted this morning. And we receive your word and welcome it into our heart as a lamp that shines in dark places, as a lamp unto our feet that we might not stumble. Father, as a light unto our path that we might know decisions to make. And we pray, Father, that you be glorified in our lives and there would be a harvest of glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As we were sitting there last night in the stadium and I just contemplated the life of uh, John Osteen, Joel's father. And I was like, man, this guy raised his son to be a prince. The very first girl he ever went out with was his wife, Victoria. And the very first place they went was to see a Rockets basketball game in Houston. And then to see the fulfillment of the great return of God's purpose. And for many people, they miss out on their call. They miss out as I was talking to this gentleman who was uh, Julio Iglesias' personal secretary for 30 years in pursuit of every city, of every country, of every contract, of every relationship, and still at the age of 70 years old without being able to attain to the fullness of his purpose. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul writes these words, We have this precious treasure in earthen vessels. We have a treasure that is within ourselves that the excellence of the power might be of God and not of us. I mean, this pursuit of excellence and treasure and being able to pursue the greatest, having a choice. I don't understand if, if we have a choice, why do we choose wrong? If we have an opportunity, why do we choose the opportunity to... Uh, to walk in a path, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. And so I want to challenge you today to, to consider going in pursuit of the treasure God has for you. Proverbs 15 verse 6 says, it is the house of a righteous man that has much treasure. It is the, the legacy of those who do things right that have large inheritance. Let's read that, Proverbs 15, verse 6. 
It's the house, the family. When the Bible speaks of house, it's not talking about a two-story house. It's talking about dad, mom, and the children. And in that place of family, uh, the family that lives right and pursues right, you can say with me, there is much treasure. Much, large, abundant levels. You can measure it. A lot of times we get so spiritual, we stop pursuing that which is more excellent. And understanding that there is treasures in this life that God has called us to. But in the revenue of the wicked, there is trouble. In the mathematical equations, the economy, the finances, that which man stewards, there is much trouble. And so we see that when the marital relationship begins to get rocky, we see when sons and daughters begin to disobey and rebel, there's a mystery there. There is no greater poverty than to have a rebellious child. You could say amen right there. That's good preaching. There is no greater poverty than to have a rebellious child. Because your life will be filled with sorrow. Your life will be filled with heartache. Your heart will break. And the Bible says that he desires to heal the brokenhearted. He desires to turn things around. There is no greater pleasure than to having an obedient son. You can say amen there too. There is no greater joy than having a daughter who honors and respects and lives to honor the legacy of her parents. I've known many men who have wished that their bank accounts would be emptied if they had children that walked upon the earth as prince and princesses, as respectful, as honorable. And this is what we were witnessing to last night. When you see the life of John Osteen, who went home, uh, I believe he said uh, his father was 77. That's a perfect number to go home with. His father lived a full life and was known as a respectful man. And here his son is a prince upon the earth. Great righteous, great treasure, much treasure in the house of the righteous. But the revenue of the wicked, there is much trouble. So Jesus says for us to lift our eyes and to begin to treasure in a different place. Matthew 6, 19. He says, do not hoard up treasures for yourself on the earth. I would have to venture to say, and I was telling a young man last night, that the lowest form of remuneration upon the earth is making money. If what you're pursuing is making money, my friend, you are a beggar. For God has riches far greater for your children and your children's children than the fact that you live 50 years with $5 million in there. Welcome, ladies. Let's give a big hand to the ladies just got back. They were off on a missionary trip to Virginia, and we thank God for their safe arrival, especially my wife. But listen... Jesus says, direct yourselves to find the treasures that you can place in a time and eternity. One of the things that I told this man on, on Friday afternoon is the same, you know, I learn. I'm a quick learner. I heard R.T. Kendall ask Yasser Arafat, where are you going to be in 100 years? So I told that man on Friday, where are you going to be in 100 years? And he was like, oops, I think I'm not thinking straight. I think I haven't made, like this gentleman, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where to treasure. I don't know what to value. I don't know what priorities to set. Well, Jesus said it. Do not lay for yourself treasures on the earth because you will be, you will travail. You will be pierced with troubles as you see your boat 
rot and all your treasures fill with uh, dust and ashes and grow old. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. What amount of stress. Let me tell you something. I, I know several multi-multi-millionaires and the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance, only covers $100,000 of your money should the bank go bankrupt. So if you have $100 million, you get to pick 10 to 20 good banks to put 100000 in each where the federal government will cover a probably a, a, a maximum of a million dollars if you find 10 American banks. But the rest of your money in one second has the threat of going bankrupt and they don't have to return it to you. It's happened all over the world. It's happened. A friend of mine went to Mexico and took $50 million down there and the exchange created $50,000. He lost his whole wealth. So the stress of treasuring on earth renders man full of anxiety, sleepless nights. Wondering who's going to take his money and who is not. And God did not put us on this world to stress money. To stress hoarding. For the greatest riches upon the earth are those of wisdom. The pursuit of thinking like God wants you to think. Making decisions as God wants you to make them. Leaving a huge inheritance for your children and your children's children for a thousand generations. Not here on earth where you, uh, I just had a, a gentleman yesterday I met, he says, I had to leave the country of Guatemala because I was having so much success, I was fearful they would kidnap my daughter. His daughter's six months old. If he's already worrying about her now, imagine the rest of the time she's alive. And so we need to think different. And I think like Joel Olstein said last night, this is the inheritance for God's people. This is for those who believe, who walk in wisdom. For the fool consider it no appetite for wisdom. He can't consider to think like God. The Bible says that we're to treasure in heaven. And when you begin to think like that, you could go to Matthew 13, 44. To be able to see this requires spiritual vision. And the majority of the people are spiritually blind. They don't see the worth for wisdom. They don't see its pursuit. Jesus spoke a parable saying like this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's hidden in a field. It's not disclosed. In fact, a lot of what the Bible talks about treasure is something kept in darkness. Something kept away from sight. And here it is again. The treasure that is hidden in a field. And he says like this, Which a man found... And he hid, and for joy over it, because of what he has found, great pleasure for what he has found, he goes and he sells all else where he has invested, and he purchases that field. He finds that there's greater value in living the life God wants for us than living the life that Wall Street teaches. Living the life that the likes of Donald Trump, it would fare well that we would see any fool pursuing wealth and live contrary to his desire. And then try to understand, because this is a pursuit we must 
pursue is to try and attain to that which God values where he says, I will reveal myself, these treasures, to those who pursue it more than gold and silver. To be able to capture the treasure in that field, this man had to pursue it entirely with all his getting, with all his strength, eliminating every other distraction, saying it's not worth it. They're empty promises. I call it the proverbial carrot in front of the donkey's nose. It's an ever pursued for a fulfillment outside of purpose in God. Verse 45, he likens it again. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Somebody willing to invest and pay the price to have great return. Verse 46, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he purchased, he bought that pearl. Now, the mystery is, where is this treasure that we might find it? Where is this great experience that we might invest and have a return? Colossians 2 verse 1, Paul says like this, One thing that I seriously fight for, I want to know, let you know that there's a great conflict that I have for you and for those in the city of Laodicea. These were two small cities side by side. And as for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Paul had never seen these people. But he desired them to attain the treasure that God had for his people. And this is powerful because usually on earthly treasures men will not share their tips and their secrets. They will not want to expend and share the greatness of their prosperity. Shh, don't tell no one. We're buying land. Shh, don't tell no one. We're buying stock. Don't tell no one. Gold is going up. And so man is in this selfish pursuit. But the treasure God has for us is for us to share and the Bible says Paul would say making many rich while we're being stripped in poverty we're not pursuing these things for ourselves we are sharing and he's telling the people in Colossians I, I want you to know that there's a great fight that I'm fighting for you and what is that to take your eyes off deception to take your eyes off of investing in places that don't have return. He says in verse 2. That their hearts might be encouraged. Being knit together in love. So that they can attain to all the riches. The wealth. The full assurance of knowing what God has for us completely. And you cannot get there in selfishness. We said that on Wednesday, that the key to prosperity is relationship, first with God, then with others, then the full expression of everything God has for us, how wealthy we have become. We know men in all the nations of the earth. We went to our honeymoon 
in Grand Cayman, we had only been there for our honeymoon a couple days. And we said, let's go find the people of God at church. And we went there for four days on our honeymoon and met incredible people. Incredible brothers and sisters in Christ who treated us like if we were family. Outside of these treasures, we are poverty-stricken and poor. We're destitute. We're lonely on this earth. But there's a great riches in Christ. To come to the full assurance and understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God that is both in the Father and from the Son. Let's read the next verse, verse 3. In whom, say with me, in whom? Who? The Father and the Son. It's in them that are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We started this pursuit 29 years ago. We were stripped for knowing anything about anything other than making money, than having possessions, than hoarding wealth. And that's what we thought was true riches. And it's a lie. It's a lie straight from the pit of hell. If you see these people who pursue the lotto, they say the curse of the lotto. Because these men who pursue great wealth end up losing their marriages, their children, their friends. It's deception. But there are hidden treasures in Christ at levels of full wisdom and knowledge. And so he, as he's discovering these things, as he's unearthing them and exposing for what they were, he tells those he's writing to in verse 4, make sure... I say this, I'm reminding you about this so that no one deceives you with persuasive words. I don't know if you've ever met someone who wanted you to take your time, your talent, your treasure and invest it in other things. Telling you there's greater promise. Oh, you don't have to go to church. Oh, you don't have to, you don't have to get involved with Christ. Oh, you don't have to pursue the instruction of biblical counsel. And they, they promise you a ton of return. Uh, you know, the peace. One of the, the testimonies that we were able to give this man is there is a priceless peace in the presence of God. There is, there is an incredible embrace of his love. There's amazing fellowship Amongst his people. Where will we find this? Outside of Christ. I say this so that no one will mislead you. And argue with attractive. Persuasive means words that convince you. And so many of us are walking in that regards. Here we have in Acts chapter 8. The Bible speaks in verse 27. Of uh, a rich treasurer. Of the treasury of Ethiopia. So he arose and went and behold the man of Ethiopia. A eunuch of great authority over the wealth and treasury of the queen Candace. Who was entrusted to all of her treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And there he's asked a question in verse 30. Where Philip asked him, do you know what you're reading? Do you understand what you have in your hand? He was reading the prophet Isaiah. 
And he says in verse 31, how can I understand this unless someone explains it to me, unless someone guides me, unless someone is able to to show me the way. And so he invited Philip to come up on his chariot and he says, come up and sit and, and share with me what you know. And I would like to know what is the substance of the things that we talk about with our children. I cannot stand as I was at a table and the rich will always advise you. We were sitting with about 20 couples in a dinner one night and the gentleman right next to me says, you should see Aspen. And I go, I've been there, I've been to Aspen. My aunt invited us several years ago and and we know about Aspen, it's beautiful in the winter. He says, oh no, my friend. You have to see Aspen in the summertime because that is life. You know I don't take anyone telling me that there's any life outside of Christ because Christ says I am the life. And so when any rich man tells me that is the life, you know, just the hairs on my neck curled up and I start, and I said, yes, sir. To me, Aspen in the summertime reminds me of the time that Hunter Thompson, the editor of the Rolling Stone magazine, after he had defied Christ his whole life and made mockery of those who believed in God, took a gun and blew his brains out right next to his grandson who was in the next dining room, in the living room, as he blew his brains out in the dining room. That is Aspen in the summertime. That is the expression of a man pursuing treasure outside of God. You do the research on this man, Hunter Thompson. Editor for the Rolling Stones magazine for over 20 years. Blew his brains out in great poverty of understanding. How will we ever know about great riches lest they're explained to us? Lest we pursue them. Proverbs chapter 2. I want to show you why some people do not have the capacity to be able to lead others into the treasures of God in this life. As he says in in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 4, the only way that you can attain to this life is if you seek her as silver and search for God and his ways as hidden treasures. To go in pursuit of the depth of the knowledge of God above all things. We pursue gold and silver. We wake up very early to go to work. We stay at work very late. We are defined by being workaholics. In Job chapter 28, God is marveled as he looks at man upon the earth. And he witnesses man from the heavens. And he says, surely there's a place of silver... And surely the depths of the earth are filled with refined gold. Verse 2, iron is taken from the earth. Copper is melted from ore. Mortals put an end to darkness. They search out the deepest recesses where darkness and the shadow of death is. I don't know if you've seen what they have to do to go get copper, but recently in the mines of Chile, we saw that they go down for miles into the earth crust to pursue metals, precious metals. 
And if you were to ask somebody, would you go that far and that deep to find God? They would tell you, you're insane. You're ridiculous. What for? But God has seen these men. In verse 4 it says, to a place where he breaks open a shaft, an elevator. This is the oldest book in the Bible and it's talking about elevators. Away from people in places where feet have not stepped yet. And here men swing to and fro. You've seen the Indiana Jones, right? He goes down in crevice and he's swinging from a rope with a torch. And he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant. What is the extent that you have gone to to find great treasure upon the earth of prosperity? Verse 5. The earth, which is where food comes from. But underneath the earth, there is fire. Verse 6. And there the precious rocks, sapphires, the precious stones, diamonds, rubies, emeralds. And there, gold dust. Verse 7. No bird or has seen these paths. The eye of a falcon that sees far and wide has not focused in in these places. Verse 8, the courageous beast, the proud lions have not dared to go in these places. Nor has the fierce lion passed over it. Verse 9, people, put, he puts his hand on the flint. He starts digging. He starts digging, he starts digging, he starts excavating, he starts pursuing these mountains to their very roots. I have a friend of mine in Ecuador who owns a precious metal company and he rents mountains from the government and he goes in there with this heavy machinery and he goes and there's no mountain left and he takes all the copper and minerals. Verse 10. This is man's, he cuts open channels in rocks, the Hoover Dam. And his eyes see the precious things where rivers are traveling at a hundred miles an hour. A great currents, tons. A man will lift up a dam to say, I want to see what's there where the river is passing. Verse 11. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden, he brings forth to light. He's revealing. He's passionately pursuing these things. Verse 12. But where can wisdom be found? Where is the place of understanding? When's the last time you really sought to live life like God wants you to live? I challenge you this morning. I challenge you for you to pursue world-changing treasures. The worth and the value of such treasure far surpasses the pursuit of anything, far surpasses the greatest promotion, far surpasses the greatest of riches. He continues to say, where is wisdom? Verse 13, no mortal knows his value. It's not found in the land of the living. It's not down here on the earth. It's not the pursuit of Lindsay Lohan and Jennifer Lopez and, and, and Paris Hilton and Britney Spears. It's not in the pursuit of the things of this life. I wish I would have read this when I was eight. 
It's not there. It cannot be found in the land of the living. Verse 14. The depth says it's not here. Except we're going down. We're digging deeper. We're going down. The sea says it's not out here with me. Don't navigate these waters. You're not going to find it. Verse 15. It cannot be purchased for gold. Nor can silver be weighed for its price. This man was telling me you can't afford to have me counsel you. I have counseled kings and prime ministers and great celebrities. And I said, sir, with all the money you have and the money you don't have, you would not be able to purchase the wisdom that I want to give you for free. For free. And God wants us to be filled with these treasures that far surpass the value of gold and silver. God wants to... Put them in your bosom. He wants to find out if he can trust you with the precious, the most incredible. Even as my niece just had a baby this past week, I'm wondering, Lord, how is it that you entrust us with children? How is it that you bestow upon us these precious, these precious young people? And we, all we do is wreck their life. In our perversion, in our selfishness, in our sickness. Isn't that incredible? So I just wrote her a letter this morning. Surround your baby with wise people. Surround your, your child with those who fear God. Lest you, you strip them of their preciousness. Of understanding who they are and their worth. And their value far surpasses anything in this world they could pursue. And that's what God is saying. Not all the gold in the world could come close to the treasure he has given us. Verse 16, he says, it cannot be bought with gold or precious onyx. The precious stones of sapphire cannot come close to its value. Verse 17, neither gold nor diamonds can compare with it, nor can be had jewels of gold. Verse 18, coral and jasper are not worthy to mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. It's not these things that give us value. We have intrinsic value in our God. We give the value to the precious stones. We are God's master craft. We are his treasure. As I walked into Switzerland... A diamond broker says, come here, I want to show you something. And he walks me into a big safe. And then he starts pulling bags. And he says, look at all the diamonds. And I said, you poor fool. When you get to heaven, you're going to see real diamonds and you're going you're to freak out. That is dust. That has no value compared to the worth of God's calling on your life. And that of your children. And your grandchildren, you are stricken with foolishness and not wisdom. You're blind and cannot see. You're deaf and cannot hear. You're dumb and don't know how to utter these words. Verse 19, I didn't tell him that. I told him in a nice way. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in the pure gold. There's a beautiful, just put a, a little parenthesis there so we hurry along. In Lamentations, um, it says, these people don't know that they 
are supposed to be worth their weight in gold. They don't know that. I'm going to take a guess. Lamentations 2.14. Let's take a, take a guess there. That was the wrong one. It's a bad guess. I was, I was just writing in my notes this morning. And it says, they don't know that they're worth their weight in gold and have lost the preciousness of their calling. They have lost the preciousness of, of, we're not supposed to be depressed. We're not supposed to be sad. We're not supposed to be overwhelmed. And without self-esteem, our worth far exceeds these values. Going back to, there it is. I'm sorry, Lamentations 4.2. I did write it down. I thought it was 2.14. It's 4.2. It says, the precious sons of God, their value as fine gold. How now will they be regarded as useless pots? We're not vessels of dishonor. We're not vessels of disgrace. We're not vessels to be used and thrown away. Our children are supposed to receive the greatest of God's outpouring. And then travel the earth like Joel Olstein last night. A prince. A prince upon the earth. Teaching the wisdom of God to those who are poor. Teaching the peace of God to those who cannot buy it with all their money. This is what we're talking about this morning. So verse 20 says, where then does wisdom come from? Where does, going back to Job, I mean, yeah, Job 28, verse 19. Verse 20, I'm sorry. Where then does wisdom come from? Where is the place of understanding? Where can we pursue this? It is hidden, verse 21, from the eyes of every living thing. It's concealed from even the birds in the sky. Even death and hell and destruction says, only a rumor. Haven't heard about it. Verse 23, God understands the way of it. He alone knows its place. It's found in God. It's found in Christ. Verse 24, for he views all the ends of the earth and sees under every existing thing under the heavens. Verse 25, to establish a weight for the wind, a portion by waters, to measure the waters. Verse 26, he made a decree for the rain and a path for the storm. Then he looked at it, at wisdom, and appraised it. He confirmed and tested it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. Verse 28. And to man he said, Behold, walking in the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And to remove yourself from evil, that is understanding. To walk in the fear of God, that's what God wants. Luke 12, 34 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of this wealth. How unsearchable are its ways. How incredibly crazy to be able to find these things that God has laid up for us. Proverbs 3.14 says, Her profit is more than silver, and she returns a harvest that is better than gold. I want to challenge you today to pursue Jesus Christ 
in whom is hidden all the riches of his grace, all the wealth, all the depth of your needs physically, in your soul, and spiritually, the inheritance to your children, the answers for your marriage, the answers for your business and wisdom, stewardship. Isaiah 45, 3, he says, I will give you the treasures that are hidden in darkness, hidden riches that are in secret places, that you may know that I am the Lord who called you by name. I am the God of Israel. Move in the pursuit of this wealth. Wise men have already shown the capacity to do that. In Hebrews 11, verse 24, the Bible says that in this faith walk, Moses refused to be a son of Pharaoh. You refuse to walk like this world walks. There's a better return. Verse 25. Choosing rather the affliction and the suffering to be held out as a people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Verse 26. Esteeming the shame of Christ. The pathway to greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt. He looked for this as his reward. Peter says in 1 Peter 1.7. Your faith more precious than gold. It'll be tried. There'll be times of suffering. Times of setback. But don't you ever cease from pursuing your full inheritance in God. Let's stand this morning. And let us pursue with unrestrained passion and relentlessness, world-changing treasure, a relationship with Christ, that we might know Him as He is to be known. I want to tell you that until you take steps in the right direction, the other steps will not reveal themselves. Just like you have to learn to add before you learn to subtract. You have to learn how to add and subtract before you multiply. And with each step of obedience, and I've been on this path for 29 years, and I'm seeing the glory of the majesty of God, the glory of His faithfulness and promise. I'm seeing them come over my children with amazing, just, just overwhelming peace and goodness. Things I could have never done in the natural. My marital relationship with my wife is huge. Never thought it possible that our relationship grows better and better. And we're looking for the fullness of His faithfulness. As we be, remain faithful to obey, to submit, to gather with wise people, to listen to wise counsel, to seek things that are not seen by the natural eye. And that's why Paul told the Colossians, make sure no one deceives you to go in another direction in another pursuit with deceptive words that make you lose all that God has for you. And I'm amazed how quick we could talk to a little girl for 20 years about being a princess and one conversation with a worldly, ungodly woman and she subverts her whole vision and dream. It's one, being around a fool for a minute could devastate your treasure and so Paul says this is the reason I fight for you that you might attain to the full inheritance of the treasures of his grace we don't deserve it Christ paid the full price for it I want to do an altar call I know we're running a little bit late but if you want your treasure come to the altar I want to pray for you 
I want you to have the wisdom to make good decisions, right decisions, obedient decisions, timely decisions. That in each crossroads of your life, you're going to need wisdom to obtain God's goodness for your life. And not follow your passions of the lust, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Let that not be your motivation. Father God, look at all those who have come before your altar. And I pray in Jesus' name that the endless worth, the far surpassing worth of your grace come over our lives. Fill us with your spirit, O oh God. Set us free from, by your truth. Your word says truth shall set us free. Open the eyes of our understanding. Heal the blind. Heal those that can't hear your words. Circumcise the hearts that have been hardened through unbelief, O oh God. And allow us, oh God, to be stewards of your precious and endless grace, oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Always be, always be you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Nothing alone. Jesus, you're the center. the center of it all I am a friend of God here we go one two who am I that you are mindful of me you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of 